Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. This is your host, Lee McMahon, consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled if you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you're hungry for more, if your heart is longing for more of the Lord, this podcast is for you. You are in the right place. We're all called to communion. We're all called to mission of bringing revival into the church. So as you know by now, our, our title, New Manna, comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread of life which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna. He is the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us daily in the Holy Eucharist. So today I am, we've got a special episode for you today. I am joined around my beautiful coffee table by Mark Cardronella, Andre Renier, and Emily Lopez. Everybody, thanks for being here. It's great Thank to you. be here. Yes, cool. Let's start with the elephant in the room, uh, the Canadian. <laughs> Andre, who, who is Andre Renier? Oh, I'm, I'm not an elephant. Oh, right. Um, but uh, I, uh, I am, I was born and raised in Canada that, I don't know if you're aware, but it's the country north. Is that the one up? Yes. There's a, yes. There's a country? Yeah. Yeah, there is Besides a country. Besides United States? In yes, America? there is. Um, so, yeah, I was born and raised in Canada, but actually in Saskatchewan, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, which is kind of um, north of Montana. Mm. Uh, there are people that live there. It's cold, but it's... Um, but, you know, it's very biblical because, you know, in the scriptures we read, you know, what good comes out of... Bethlehem? Nazareth. Nazareth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see. Um, well, what good comes out of Saskatchewan? Good things have come out of out of that province. Like the Yeti? Or? Uh, no, no, that's further north. Oh, that's up. Okay. That's uh, probably uh, west and north. Okay. Yeah. But you've got the Rockies. Is that where? Uh... No, that would be west also. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, so is it more above North Dakota then? Yeah. Or is it Montana? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I, it would be North Dakota, Okay, yes. okay. Um, and it's flat, it's, uh, you know, a lot of farmland, but there's lots of natural resources mm. in Saskatchewan, oil and um, uh, uranium, nice wheat, wood, all the necessary things that we need to That's great. keep the, the earth moving. Amen. Andre, yeah. so you're, you're not, <laughs> saying you're involved with CCO is an understatement. You are the president and founder of CCO along with your wife, right? I mean, yeah. For everybody who's not listening today or who is unaware, um, what is CCO? And just kind of give us the basic overview. Well, you guys are all aware of focus. Mm -hmm. Well, we would be um, the focus of Canada, you know. Okay. Although we've been around longer than focus, uh, we started our movement, my wife and I, in 1988. Mm. I was three years old at the time. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we started at the University of Saskatchewan. Mm. Uh, the main purpose, the reason we we were we felt God was calling us to start this movement, a movement of evangelization, mm -hmm. was because we saw so many young people walk away so easily mm. when they left home and they went to university. Nobody was stopping them and saying, hey, have you ever considered? 
And so we felt we wanted to be, you know, a, a, a movement that would kind of stop the bleeding or kind of go out and get those wandering mm-hmm. Catholics and bring them into an encounter with Jesus Christ that would change and transform their lives and then build them up as Catholics, as men and women who seek in the heart of God and also have the heart of mission. Mm. And then we would equip them to go out and to, to mission mm. uh, back on their university and go get their peers right. and bring them into uh, you know this, um, this encounter with Jesus. So yeah, that's what we felt God was calling us to. In 1988, we just graduated, nice, and we did something that back then it was not very common for right. a layperson to start a movement of evangelization on a university campus. You just went for it. Yeah, well, yeah. And you were telling me earlier today that you just got back from Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, so basically, CCO is all over the world. You're telling me that you're a global man you're we're kind of joking but you were mm-hmm. you're literally worldwide cco is is touched i think every we're not just kind of running around the world mm-hmm. trying to build this great empire right uh, we feel and very early on in the movement the lord placed on the movement um a heart mm-hmm. for the world mm-hmm. uh, if you i can share the experience uh, it was the encounter uh, that that I had, the Lord spoke very clearly of of how we are to be a movement, but actually as church, as Catholics, we are to have a heart for the world. Meaning, the church in in America should be as important as the church in China or what's happening in Europe mm-hmm. or South America, because we are a family, mm-hmm. and uh, so. Back in, I think it was 19, oh man, it was way back in the 1900s. Um, no, it was 19, probably 1999, I think mm. it was. Uh, sorry, 1989. And I was in the chapel praying in front of the Eucharist. Um, and I was by myself and I was walking around. I had the whole chapel to myself and I was... You know, I needed to, to walk and, t- and talk to God. And, and at one particular moment, I was, I was really burdened by the world. Mm. You know, and uh, like my heart was breaking for the church in, in China and South America and Africa and Russia and Europe. Uh, and I remember crying out to God. I said, God, what can I do? For you know you in these these places, so it was it was almost like God was placing His heart, mm. His burdened heart, um, on me. Right, and I felt the heaviness of it. And then after kind of you know crying out and talking to Him about this, I, I found myself kind of settled down. It's something. It's almost like this silence or this peace kind of mm-hmm. descended upon me and I didn't hear an audible voice but I was very clear what I was hearing right and I felt like the Lord say Andre one person at a time mm. meaning I want you and I commission you and I give you the gift of the burden of the world I meaning I want you to 
care about the church in China or the church in Africa. And I'm going to call you there. But the way you're going to reach those places is not by becoming this world-renowned mm -hmm. presenter, speaker, but one person at a time, focusing on people rather than, than um, just speaking to the masses. So right. that was a very profound movement uh, moment for the movement because it became a, a guiding tenant for us. Yeah. The world, but also we reached the world by people. Right. One person at a time. Speaking of elephants, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you evangelize the world? One, one part at a time. time. One, one elephant at a time. time. That's right. Exactly right. Uh, well, thanks for sharing uh, your, your moment of encounter. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for the hearts that you've touched. Thank you for the ones that you've mm -hmm. reached. And um, just thank you for, for shepherding this movement of, of renewal in the church. Because you, yeah, saying that you've got a 10-year leg up on focus, and focus is big deal, right? It's, it's powerful. So just thank you. Thank you for your ministry. Well, just just one comment about focus. Sure. Um, you know, you know, uh, their movement is, ha is having profound impact. Oh, no doubt. Changing the way we see our baptismal call. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I'm so inspired by what I see and hear. Right. And the relationship I have with them. Yeah. They, I would give them, you know. Um, thumbs up and the courage that they're showing yeah. and the um, ability to kind of do what right. most people thought could never be done. Amen. And it's obviously not a competition. I know you don't see it that way, but it's just, you know, it's fun to play. But yeah. Yeah. So praise the Lord for everybody laboring in, in, in his vineyard and all the different uh, channels that he uses and mm -hmm. just being faithful. All he asks of us is just to be mm -hmm. faithful, to yeah. show up and he's going to take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mark, tell me about who you are and what you do. So I am the director of catechesis and faith formation on the Missouri side. So Kansas city, Missouri. Okay. And yeah, I'm doing, uh, I do CCO studies and I've been friends with Andre for a little while. I, we met at uh, Franciscan university actually. And, oh, cool. and, uh, when, um, when I got this job, the, it used to be a different job and then it became this job, for evangelization, right? Uh, I remember we. I, it was like maybe April when I when I got the job, and the job changed. Mm -hmm. And I went to Franciscan in July, and I was uh, meeting with Andre, and I had known him for a, a couple of years at that point. And I said, um, "Got this new position, and you know we're going to do discipleship. That's what the bishop wants to do. He wants to do discipleship, and and." Uh, He's like, oh, cool, that's great, you know. And later, I so so then he he said later told me well so the next day that night I started to think you know I need to I need to ask for help I don't really I mean I I know like we were talking about earlier Emily I, I know the direction like I know I know the goal mm -hmm. I know like kind of vaguely like how to get there, but I don't really know the road, right? I don't know the path to mm -hmm. take and I need help, right? So I said, next day we, we got together for lunch or something. And I was like, Andre, I really need help. You got to help me. 
And, and he looked at me and he's like, hmm, he's like, I will help you because last night when you told me you had this new job, I was going to say, so how are you going to do it? But I didn't. And then when I was praying later that night, I wrote in my journal, if Mark says I need help, I'll help him. Cool. And so the next day I said, I need help. He was like, I'll help you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, if I could just jump in, you know, I I think what has happened in church in the last 10 to 15 years, you know, it's kind of like what um, St. John Paul II said, you know, this missionary missionary era that's coming this this period of great evangelization but for us to become the people the missionaries that the church is called to there has to be a, a radical conversion of thinking not a radical conversion to Jesus yes mm-hmm. but a radical conversion to thinking meaning we have to think a certain way about mission before right. we can actually do it effectively and my experience is that we have a lot of people they have a great desire to do mission, but their thinking mm-hmm. is unclear on how to do it. Right. And you know what? Thinking has a profound impact on the way we do things. Absolutely. Our thought life influences every day. Yeah. Especially our mission, for sure. And that's why I would ask him a question, okay, what are you thinking about what you're going to do? But I'm afraid to ask that because... It comes, it, often response is very convoluted and mm. confusing and grand and, you know, directionalist. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I become discouraged or kind of wanted to, hey, can I help you? You know, um, and yeah. so this is with Mark. I Great idea. I'm happy about that you're doing this, but I'm more concerned about... Yeah, like, how are you going to pull this off? Yeah. <laughs> so one thing leads to another, Mark. You, you've you implemented CCO studies in, in uh, Casey St. Joe Diocese. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you've seen just massive fruit there. And uh, um, just the, the, again, just the impact of CCO is massive. Um, it's it's touching every... It's, it's all over the place. It's... You're, you're making a, a huge impact. And when we say you, I mean, we're saying like Jesus showing up and convicting hearts and, and, and renewing minds, right? Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, uh, Romans 12, 2. So it's just it's so good what uh, CCO is doing. Mark, tell us about how you fell in love with Jesus. Tell, take us back to the beginning. What was that moment of conversion like for you? So for me, it's an interesting story. Um, I grew up Catholic, but... I sort of dropped out after high school, never had anything more to do with it, wasn't going to mass, never did anything. I wanted to be a Navy pilot, that was my thing. So uh, everything else was just like secondary, right? And, sure. and I, was, I, I never was converted. I did all the things right, quote unquote. I, I went to CCD classes every week. I, was, I made first communion in, in second grade confirmed in eighth grade, all that stuff, right? But I was never converted. Mm. And I lived that peripherally through growing up. And then when I was on my own, I just dropped it, left it. And joined the Navy, got out of college, and did become a Navy pilot. And 
I was about 29 and I was thinking to myself, I just felt restless. You know? and, I, and I thought, you know, I've been working toward this all my life and here I am living the dream. It's exactly what I wanted to do. And I just felt, is this all there is? Mm. You know, there should be more. And I went on a, a journey uh, of faith discovery, looking for answers to the meaning of life. It sounds kind of like profound, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's something in a movie. But I did. I really did. I I looked at Western philosophy. I looked at Eastern philosophy. I looked at. Eventually, ended up in the New Age movement, and that was the place where I saw. I you know that that there was like a. It was like a path, you know, there was, was like a way to go. They, they kind of laid out the steps mm -hmm. towards fulfillment. And um, the only thing that was great about it, well, not great about it, the only thing that, that kept me from like really going into that was because it never worked. You know, they always talk about like positive thinking and stuff. Sure. And that you'll actualize your life according to how you think. I tried to actualize all kinds of stuff and it never, it never happened. So I was a little <laughs> bit, you know, I was a little bit... Uh, not completely satisfied with that, but that was the thing that had I had. But I was still restless, and I was still searching. And uh, there was a, a series of events that led my wife to start going back. She was in the exact same position as me, mm. actually. We both grew up in South Louisiana, culturally Catholic. Dropped it, and um, but there's a series of events that led her back to going to mass. We were on a navy base uh, stationed in, in Japan. And you're married at this point? We're married at this point. Okay. Um, and they had this mass on Wednesday nights. It was uh, the Filipino community there. This is in, in Japan. Filipino community had this mass on Wednesday nights. Called It had a, a Novena to Our Lady Perpetual Help mass. So she started going back to that. And she started getting into Catholicism a little bit more. And I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But... Um, one time, she we used to get these tapes to learn about stuff, and she got this tape on Our Lady of Fatima, and she's like, "Hey, let's watch this," and I was like, "I don't want to watch that because I know it's Catholic," and I and I searched, by the way, searched everywhere but Catholicism, and um, we watched it, you know, and the the children see this vision of hell, right, and it's this old one with Ricardo Montalban, and he's got this, you know, have you ever seen that? Mm -hmm. Great, right? It's like Ricardo Montalban. So uh, I saw that and I was like, when it finished, I turned to her and I was like, you know what? If this is true, we're in some real trouble. Mm. <laughs> we're going to go to hell. If this is true, we're, we're going to hell. So we, we got to figure out if this is true. So we started studying Catholicism, like real, like really studying Catholicism. Like not what people, not what new age gurus would say or what people that when we were growing up who were disaffected from the church would tell us, right? But... This is when Scott Hahn was first starting sure. to get get going, and uh, Father Mitch Pacwa, and there were you know John Carapi who you know is off the deep end now, but these guys were, were were doing their stuff, and and it was like wow, this is and John Paul II and theology of the body, uh, this was like everything we were searching for, mm. and it was like boom, this was like this was it, this was a roadmap for life, this was this was the way to go, this was a path. And it was just like beautiful and it was so human and it was so incredibly uh, fulfilling. 
Right. And it was everything I was searching for, and it was right on my nose all that time. And never really knew because I never really knew the real thing. I never really knew Jesus. I never had that encounter. Mm. Right? I never had that Holy Spirit come into me and really move me. And um, so yeah. But when He did, boom, that was it. <laughs> wow. Oh wow. The the wake up, like the wake up call. Like I mean, you was a Navy fighter pilot. Like your threshold for being afraid, I'm sure, is like pretty high, right? Right. Yeah. It's like it's gonna take a lot to get to get this guy <laughs> afraid of something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean just the 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 presentation of a possible reality. Mm-hmm. Uh it, it sounds like it's you know, you're like, whoa, wait a second. Certainty. You you're not getting in that plane unless you know it's ready to rock. Right. You know? And yeah, that realization of man, is this plane of my life? Is this whole Catholic thing is this ship shape? Hmm. And then just kind of digging in, going yeah. direct to the source. I love that. Yeah. Praise God. Emily Lopez. Yes. Who is Emily Lopez? And here we go. So I'm blessed to serve here in the Office of Evangelization for adults um, and young adults. But uh, more importantly, I'm married. I've got uh, five children ranging young adult down to middle school, which believes they're almost young adult. But um, I think I've just been graced in life. God has has managed to meet me at every step of my broken path and lift me into opportunity to serve. And uh, I just feel incredibly blessed to be in a position where I can listen. I think um, caring for people, like nurturing uh, people's souls is is really like kind of my love language mm. and being in relationship with people through the, um, through the hard parts. Uh, God has always met me. He's brought my heart back in with his through some suffering and hard parts of life. And so I just have a deep connection for people that are searching and it's no coincidence. I think that I've landed in this place where God has just um, put heavy on my heart to meet people in their search. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about, what, uh, how did you, you know, not to give us the whole story or anything, but just like the moment of conversion, how, what was it like falling in love with Jesus? <laughs> like how, how did that happen for you? Like he went from an idea or a, yeah. a concept to uh, a reality in your heart. So I, I grew up Catholic, um, you know, doing all the Catholic things, I think, Oftentimes when we think about growing up Catholic, it's going through the motions, um, public school for a while, Catholic school. Um, I decided pretty early on, even before I graduated high school, that that was not really what I wanted. It was a lot of behavior stuff. There wasn't a conviction of heart. It was the things you needed to know and the things you needed to do. It was not a person. And so when I went off to college, I, I just kind of left it and, um, God in his grace let me live the consequences of some choices I made in my life. And I found myself at a place where I looked around and everything I had hoped for and planned for was changing. And I could either um, choose my way and and disregard what God had put in my path as decisions to be made, or I could surrender to him. And um, that meant being open to an unplanned pregnancy, to the the potential of, you know, a a marriage with a man that I had not really considered that as a possibility. And there was a moment of surrender. I think anytime you study holy people, there's always this point, especially, you know, saints, um, 
the biographical information doesn't matter. We all have biography. We all have a dash on our mm -hmm. tombstone. But what matters is what do we do in those moments where God gives us a very clear choice between his will and ours. Mm -hmm. And that happens daily, but I think there's significant moments that direct our life in one way or the other. And I had enough grace to recognize, you know, humility in that moment and be open to him. And I just kind of put all my eggs in the basket and said, I don't know where we're going, but uh, I got to go with God. Mm -hmm. and, and that was really it. I think the the grace and the love and the just everything he gave me in that moment to to get through something that I considered probably the worst thing that could happen to me at that mm -hmm. point in my life. Um, and, and then to grace me on the other side of it, like not only does God walk with us, but then he just gives us with a tremendous amount of grace in this relationship that we don't even potentially imagine because mm. it's beyond everything we think we're worth. Mm. Um, that was it. I was all in after that, that I was like, you know, who am I? Who am I to think that anything that I could ever hope for or desire is greater than what God has mm. created me for? I mean, it, those, those times where just every, like life kind of, it, it almost is like a movie. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's why the movies are like they are. It's just because they, they capture something about our, our lived reality of like everything else just kind of fades away except mm -hmm. this one central focus, that choice, that, that decision, that uh, like Jesus just making himself present to you in that moment and, and that, that super grace-filled yeah, time of trust. Mm -hmm. was such a whole, just an amazing grace of trust being just like put on your heart right there. So, wow. Mm -hmm. I think you're asking the right question, by the mm -hmm. way. Um, tell me your story, your conversion. I, I think if, if, if I would say the greatest need or the cry of the heart of Catholics who have received the grace of baptism and they become children of God and they, all the graces are there, um, that their hearts have been set up mm. to encounter Jesus in their solitary life in a profound, transformative way. And I think we tend to kind of, that's veiled. Mm -hmm. For most Catholics, they're unaware that there is an encounter to be had. And, you know, we just lost um, a, a great theologian, but a, a very, you know, a man that really loved Jesus mm -hmm. and, you know, Pope Benedict. And he talked, and that seems to be part of, you know, what we're hearing from his funeral uh, is that quote is that, you know, that our faith is not, you know, a, a, a set of morals or a, um, an ethic, but it is an event that, you know, that changes everything. An event, an encounter with the person mm -hmm. that changes everything. And he's basically talking about conversion. He's right. talking about an encounter that changes our life. And I think we, it's really simple, mm. but I think we've kind of complicated it along the way and made it more about knowing than actually encountering. Right. It, more about what we know rather than an event mm. that we encounter. And both are essential, but that event, mm. that encounter actually is where our testimony is. Mm -hmm. And when we start doing that, I think because of our the grace of baptism, I think some of the easiest people 
to really set on fire as a Catholic because the grace is there uh, to all we need to do is whisper mm-hmm. or invite them to that event. Right. And their hearts will be like Mark's heart was transformed. You just have to listen yeah. to the story. Yeah. And it takes a, an invitation, a lived witness of joy. Mm-hmm. That's just magnetic. You know, uh, just this, this, this being drawn into somebody else's joy is it's, it's insane. That's what happened with my, my conversion, like walking into my wife's house for the first time. She was not my wife then, but walking into my girlfriend in high school, like walking into her family's house for the first time and seeing her five siblings, her mom and her dad, the four dogs or whatever, you know, the younger three siblings are just like at each other's throat, wrestling on the ground or, or whatever. And then the, the older two are, you know, bickering about homework or something. And everyone's just kind of living a normal, like what looked like a life. And, but I was just, I was so taken aback by that because it was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Curiosity. I've never, I've never seen this before. Like yeah. why? This is beautiful. This is so wholesome and good. There's no fear in this house. This, this is unprecedented in my life. I have no, I, I, this is so foreign. It's like, I just stepped on Mars. Like what is going on right now? And then I asked like, why do you have this? I want this. My heart was like crying stepping into that house. My heart was crying. And it was because a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and his church that that family stayed that family. Cause like, you know, coming to, coming to learn that family and, and, and grow with that family over time and, and to realize that they've been through the ringer too, just like every other family in the world. It's like, well, what is it that kept them together? What is it that made them stick together and trust each other and lean on each other more than anything else? Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus, like, and, and the, the shared faith that they had together, that just an understanding that they don't have all the answers, they don't have it all together, but they have he who is and has been and, and will be. You know, we, we, we look at the world and we see how postmodernism and secularism, you know, just we've just went off the rails and, you know, the disconnect of society from the church I mean, this is such a chasm now, and it's almost like we see the world and we see it lost, mm. and then we become profoundly overwhelmed by, well, they're so lost, you know, how do we get them back? My children, my neighbors, my right. loved ones. But you said it, and I think we as Catholics, if we actually put our confidence in what you said, I think getting... The, that world that has wandered so far away from the church back is really easy. You said the name of Jesus, meaning Jesus is the way back. Yeah. And like Pope Francis said that Jesus should be, or the gospel message, what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's done for us, should be on the lips. He talks about all catechists, mm-hmm. but I would extend that to every Catholic. We're all catechists. Meaning we could, if we, I wrote a book and I'm plugging my book right now. It's Go called it. Clear and Simple. Basically, speaking of Jesus clearly and simply, being able to share Jesus in a coffee shop 
with a friend that's saying, hey, I want what you have. Being able to share Jesus in a clear and a simple and an attractive way that will lead people to conversion. Yeah. If we, Catholics, those of us who know Jesus and we've encountered that event, if we just learn to speak of him in clear and simple and attractive way, the world is longing for Jesus mm-hmm. and just waiting for us to kind of present him yeah. in that way that they could understand what, who he is, what he's done, and then respond appropriately to yeah. that invitation. Because we, we've got everything we need. Like we, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in our soul as a baptized person. Like we are in full communion with like the Trinitarian God. It's insane. The same power yeah. that rose Jesus from the dead, that rose Lazarus from the dead, that rose like you name it. Me Come from on. the dead. Come on. Spiritual death. Like yeah. dwells in us. And I think we just got to, uh, we can't be afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus says time and again, don't be afraid. All through scripture, Old Testament, New, don't be afraid. Angels left and right, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What do you have to be afraid of? Well, what do you, what, um, can I ask a question? Sure. Okay. Why do you think we in the church, and I'm making a judgment here, why are we so unable to actually attract people with that sure. Trinitarian God, the, the aroma of Christ, the, the Spirit of God, I mean, the power. Why is it that we find it really difficult to bring souls back into the heart of the church? Like, what, what's, what's keeping us from this great revival of people coming back? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think of um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, what uh, happened there? Um, that you know the ten million people coming back. What, what's why isn't that happening today? I think it's. Um, I think our brothers and sisters don't realize that they've they've been given the same mission as any saint throughout history. It's the same mission. It's the same call to live in a place of intimacy with the Lord and to, to go, go. Like you can't. There's this, the the old adage like you you can't spell gospel without go. So it's like. I don't know. I think we've been really trained by the world to, to think like the world. I think also that we struggle to live like surrendered joy, like what you were talking about, Lee, with just general attraction that, you know, this isn't about getting people in a building or getting them to sign up for a belief. This is just about sparking the curiosity that you're living a fuller life. You're living the kind of way I want to be and something is keeping me from that. If, if we were to really live lives activated by the grace of the sacraments in a surrendered way to God's will, we would be unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, we really would because that would be beyond attraction. As the, as the darkness descends in this you know, cultural norm that we're entering and the right. lack of Christian virtue and value, we should burn even brighter. Like our churches should be beacons on a hill, not because that's the place everybody wants to be, but because that's where Christ is present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a I have an image that I often share with people. Uh, you know, it's a boxing match, mm. and you know, I'm in the corner, the church is in the corner, 
and you know we got our elbows up and our fists in front of our face and we're we're basically protecting ourselves from the blows of our opponent you know just left and right and upper cups and and we're just so bombarded by all the the punches sure. and the attack that we just we just defend ourselves from from the world yeah and so we have a defensive pro- posture rather than offensive one what the church needs is actually to win that that fight is we actually start have to start swinging back meaning mm-hmm. our message is like your um, Emily you're talking about is a is a uh, is a message that is life-giving it yeah. is transformative it's what people are longing for right. and so we have to actually ha- come out swinging so what does swinging look like mm-hmm. in in for for us as Catholics and to me it actually I mean there's different ways you can swing sure other uh, different people have an uppercut or you know left hook or whatever it is uh, some jabs you know um, they have different skills but I think the disposition is that we are on the offensive don't look at it as kind of a messy situation right. but we're offensively meaning we have a message that the world needs so i'm going to go to the ends of the earth right to to proclaim it um you know i was just talking to mm. a girl today and she says this she goes um you know what the world needs she goes and i'm praying and i'm asking the lord to send us saints and as i was listening to her it sounded very pious uh, she's a great woman and I looked at her and I said, he's called you. Yep. I mean, you're the saint. And you know what her response was? God willing. Meaning she was willing to become one, but God willing. I said, God has willed you to become a saint. Yeah. It's not God willing. No, the, are you willing? Yeah, in Acts, like the saints aren't dead in Acts. They're, yeah. they're believers. Yeah. yeah, but it's not just a select few out there. Yeah. It, the world is going to be on the offensive yeah. if we, meaning you yeah. and I, are becoming these saints. And John Paul II, I remember in tw- uh, tw- uh, the year 2000 in Rome for World Youth Day, uh, you know, after Mass, um, he had his final parting words. Sure. And this is what he said. He goes, and we're moving into the new millennium. And he said, you be the saints of the new millennium. Mm-hmm. 2.2 billion, uh, million people young people that day roared out and what i heard in the roar was count me in yeah and you you know what's so good about this 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 uh dog fight to think of an air battle term in this this boxing match is that we can't lose we can't lose and i i just like declare in the name of jesus that like he has already won the victory for us like it's the enemy who puts us on our on our heels thinking that we can actually lose but no this this is a fixed match like the lord has already won the heavyweight title like we we cannot lose in in faith we cannot lose uh in, in just being in, in just showing up and being obedient to his promptings like we can't lose with the lord on our side i i fully agree with you yeah. you know if you look at the passion of jesus it just objectively it looks like he was losing yeah. And maybe we feel like we're losing. Um, you know, we're getting beat up. And, you know, when you look, again, objectively at Jesus carrying the cross, 
he actually didn't do a very good job. I mean, he fell three times. He needed his mother's help. He needed, you know, someone to carry for him. He needed, you know, um, to face wiped. Faith uh, face wiped. His clothes is taken from him. You know, it looked like he was, you know, losing the battle. But I think what what was what was the 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 virtue that that speaks of well it's it's a key to our salvation is that he was obedient to the father mm. and he was willing to get back up right. even you know when the cross was heavy too heavy for him to carry on his yeah own. so i think obedience and saying yes and willing to get scars and you know get beat up a little bit um to be to have a reputation tarnished um it be rejected like he was rejected it's that disposition the one that jesus had um is our offense yeah (laughs) obedience and yes if we have that we will not lose amen but we do have to be in the fight I mean, I think oh, sometimes yeah. there's this idea that the fight's already been won. So if I just get like a courtside like seat over here yeah. and try to be like minimally offensive to people right. and kind and, you know, let them in line in front of me, then I'm good yeah. to go. And and that's not, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of grace that we experience in our life, I think, is directly tied to our willingness to obey yeah. and to invite him in. and if we wonder why we're feeling lackluster or kind of meh in our faith, my question would be, how are you living your faith? You know, that this is meant to be a verb that, right. that um, by right of your baptism, you have been given the grace to fight. And if you're not going to, then don't be shocked right. that you're not feeling like you're in the fight. Yeah. Gloves on. Yeah. This is a full contact sport. You know, no flag football in the right. kingdom. Mm-hmm. We're going for it. Guys, I don't know about you, but I want to just go out and like uh, go, you know, just proclaim on the housetop that Jesus is Lord and like preach and raise the dead and stuff. And I kind of just want to get after it right now. But listeners out there, I I hope you have been motivated and upbuilt and encouraged by this amazing conversation. Um, The Eucharistic revival is happening right now. It's happening in, in, in your land, wherever you're listening from. It is happening right now. And the church needs you to put your gloves on, to get out there and to just foster that obedience, foster that devotion, and to spread the good word that Jesus is Lord and that he has given himself totally to us in the Blessed Sacrament. So if you're in the area, I want to point you toward archkck.org revival if you want some resources, deacons and priests out there, if you want some preaching resources, some catechetical resources for you, we got those on lock for you right now. Anybody who's not a priest and deacon, we got prayer resources for you too. We got resources for you to dive deep into your faith, formative resources. We've got it all for you. So guys, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Guests, thank you for being here. Thank you for your witness. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your ministry, for your leadership. And let's let's bring the kingdom together, you know? Uh, God bless you all. This has been New Manna. We'll see you next week. God bless you.